Hello and welcome to the Emerald Gamescast episode 44. My name is Nolan, with me is... I'm Janelle. And also... I'm, a- I'm Alex. Hang on, can I say something that Alex won't hate this episode? Okay. The first episode since we got a cat. Hey! You did get a cat. I do like that cat very much. So. That's true. Listener, and since this show is an audio-only thing, imagine the cutest little girl cat. Imagine a cat. And you're not going to get to see it. And that's you're going to have to live with that phantom pain about that. That's... Is it a is it a gamer cat? What what have you taught the cat to play like Tetris yet? The cat likes watching Metal Gear, and I'm not joking. Really? Yeah. Yeah, she watched me fight Metal Gear Peace Walker last night. Yep. Don't ask why I'm doing that in 2020, listener. It's another she, thing she, I want to People tell you. like Peace Walker. She <laughs> likes watching video games because they're exciting for her. She also likes um, eating pizza. Yeah. She's like a ninja turtle. Pizza cat. Yeah. Pizza so cat. we have a cat, and we're here recording on November 6th. Listener, you might be listening to this with a new president. Um, we're recording it. Or not. Who fucking knows? Terrifying suspense. But let's not talk about that. We're here to talk about video games. And uh, how, how, how are you guys doing? today did you just say let's not talk about that let's talk about video games how are you guys doing did you notice notice? how are you guys doing i did i don't know how do you think we're doing well there's nothing to focus on today except for video games it's all like i all i can think about is video games yeah yeah all i talk about are video games let me tell you about the politics of my video games i like it when ronald reagan is in my call of duty (laughs) (laughs) i liked it when video games weren't political that's why i'm a metal gear solid fan (laughs) i have said for about a year now that i think that tetris is about the fall of the soviet union you know i heard a really i'm 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 not kidding i heard a really compelling case for that it's stupid as hell but it's kind of amusing i once listened to someone explain how they thought that it was about that because it's about a worker who every day endlessly constructs a wall or endlessly Mm -hmm. performs some kind of menial task Mm -hmm. only to have his work erased and he has to go back and do it again anyways and he gets rewarded for continually doing it even though it never makes any difference in the world and uh i hope i hope that that's (laughs) the basis of the Remember the rumored Tetris trilogy of films? Oh, it's not rumored anymore. They finally uh, finished, uh, I don't know if production has started, but they finished the script, to my understanding. What script? I, wait, I have a theory what on that, too, script? but I want to know if that's what you, was that what you meant? Do you have a different Soviet Union Tetris take, now? Yeah. What is it? I don't want to tell you, Nux. It's gonna <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I still want to hear it. Okay. So does the listener. Yeah. Maybe. Who knows? I don't know. <laughs> well, it's Russian. And you oh. build the blocks and they fall down. <laughs> Deep analysis. Lore. Rich lore. It was it, the 80s. They didn't have lore back then. You know, that's, that was safe for Dungeons and Dragons. Thank you. <laughs> you know, you're, 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 you're forgetting the famous line from the Game Boy port of Tetris. Yeah, when I guess I am. You... <laughs> When you finish level uh, ten in Tetris, and you hear the the like a chiptune version of Ronald Reagan's voice go, "Mr. Gorbachev, 
tear down that wall. And then Tetris ends. I'm crying and I don't know why. <laughs> Wait, okay. That I want to makes... answer your actual question. You said what script, yeah, by the way? It's going to be a trilogy. This is confirmed. Yeah, this, Alex, is, this is a fact. I've, I've talked to you about this. Okay, Breaking so you news, already know Alex confirmed. Alex <laughs> confirmed Tetris film is real. Okay. Um, hear me out, okay? It's a, it's a trilogy of films. Okay. That each one is set in a different decade, okay? And it's not about Tetris. It's like the old book. There's an old book you guys may have read like in elementary school called The Library Card. It's a bunch of short stories about, like, in the first one, this person gets a library card, and then they drop their library card, and the next short story is totally different, but it's about the person that picked up that card. Okay, hear me out. You follow one copy, you follow one Game Boy copy of Tetris for, like, 30 years, and just tell a bunch of vignettes. Hey, can I tell you guys something? (laughs) This is a story from, um... We're at the news now, I guess. Um, this is a story from three months ago about how the Tetris movie is actually just about the legal battle for the property rights of Tetris. Yep, Taron no! Egerton's going to be in it. Who is? Taron Egerton. Uh, he was in uh, Rocket Man. He was, uh, and he's going to be in the Little Shop of Horrors movie, the new one. Hmm. I'm trying to think of what else he's in, but I also get him mixed up really easily with uh, another another fucking white actor who looks exactly like him. Wait, was he in Baby Driver? I don't know. But apparently my elevator pitch is dead in the water because that got nothing from you guys. Yeah. So I'm, I, I can mean, see it's why they very, didn't go with that. It's, it's very good. close to the real, to the real thing. It is close to the real thing. And I didn't respond because if you love it, let it go. And that's how I felt about your idea. <laughs> oh, that was, that was very pragmatic. That was very yeah. diplomatic of you. Thank you. You should... You, you guys want to talk about video games that didn't come out in the 80s? I do. I do. Yeah, I do. What should yes. we talk about first? I'm leaning more towards a brand new video game system that Embargo uh, just uh, dropped. Wait. Uh, Last week on the podcast, we said we would have a review coverage of a little game called Lucifer Within Us. Yes, and that's true. I believe you, we were provided, well, we were provided a review copy by the publishers, and Alex, I'm pretty sure you've been playing it. I have been. Yes. So do you guys know anything about this game? I know it's about Satan. Uh, it's about Satan. So it takes place in this cool. weird, almost like alternate universe uh, techno-theocracy, right? So like mm-hmm. you're part of this religious sect. You are an exorcist. And in like, so for example, in the first mission, there is a sort of like ritual that you do. Um, they have to wear a special hat and go in this special like tube and they get what's called, like, Aether Energy while they play, like, music. And it's supposed to be, like, a spiritual experience. Um, but the Aether Energy gets turned on too high, and then she her head explodes, and she dies. She, and she, she, just, she just dies. And so okay. you are an exorcist. Your goal is to look for demonic influence by interviewing people and trying to figure out their motives, seeing what demon is possessing them. This game really wears its influences on its sleeve. Um... Visually and aesthetically, it feels a lot like Shin Megami Tensei with this, like, high-tech demon thing. Um, But gameplay-wise, it it straddles an interesting line between uh, uh, Disco Elysium and Phoenix Wright. So, 
you are physically walking around a space looking for clues, interviewing people, like finding contradictions in their stories and presenting it to them. Um, one of the mechanics that you have in the game is if you can get them to open, I forget what they call it, but everyone has this like surgically implanted like digital third eye and you as this priestess are able to, if you get far enough in the investigation and like get them to reveal enough about themselves, find out their true motives. So like in the first mission, you find out that the man who is doing the, uh, ceremony is a narcissist because his little third eye opens and you can digitally jack into huh. it. So he's like, I was going to make a beautiful ceremony and honor this this priestess uh, in the most dramatic way possible. Even if it was dangerous, it was a calculated risk. Um, are, are you saying this is like a ghost in the machine type setup? So you're sort of like a spiritual medium, but it's electronic? Kind of? Yeah, so you are, you, they call you an exorcist. But you're kind of a, a cross between a detective and like a priest. But when you say like, techno theocracy i'm i'm i guess i'm curious if it's, that means like i forget what the goddess's name is but there is a a goddess in this world that they worship of course and all of the demons are like christian demons which was a little lame it was like beelzebub and like lucifer obviously um which maybe they just did that for like recognizability but it takes place in it's not our world or anything resembling our world it is it is an alternate universe with alternate beliefs that you kind of slowly investigate and learn more about as you solve crimes. But I guess what I'm, I guess what I'm curious about is, is this a high tech world with a supernatural theological layer or like, is the technology the conduit by which they communicate with the spirits? Like, is it, it... I mean, it's kind of both, right? Like the world is set up and it is like, uh, it, it is like set up and they're able to, you know, use this, like, third-eye technology that everyone has surgically implanted in them. The demons are all very, like, polygonal and angular. Um, like, when you speak to the demon, when you exercise the demon, you, there's, like, uh, it looks like the Matrix, almost. Like, you go into, like, a cyberspace moment where, like, you're, like, brain-hacking the demon Okay. See, But it never feels, it never feels, like, high-tech. You know what it kind of feels like to me? It's Dishonored. Like, aesthetically and visually, this idea of, like, oh, technology has advanced to a certain point, and this is very clearly not our world, but it's close enough, right? It has a lot of the visual motifs to, like, reality that we're familiar with. Like, there are priests, there's, like, a pope figure, or an archbishop figure, but this is not Catholicism or anything really resembling it. Huh, okay. But it's a really interesting thing. I really like the, the visual aesthetic of it. Um... The voice acting is kind of hit or miss for me. Um, sometimes they seem like really into it, and other times they seem like they're kind of phoning it in. To be honest, um, there's so okay. They spell it like the old way that you spell demons. So D A E M O N, I think it is. And sometimes and they'll pronounce demons. it. Yeah, Matt Damon. Sometimes they'll pronounce it Daemon, and sometimes they'll pronounce it Demon. There's no real flow with that. Um, I I like this game. I think it's really interesting. But I think my biggest issue with it, and this is kind of one of my issues with a lot of detective games, is that at a certain point, it feels less like I'm solving a mystery and more like I'm going through the motions they want me to do, right? Yeah. It's like, you know, if you figure it out, it's like, oh, this person did this because, you know, whatever. If you don't show them the exact evidence that the game requires you to show, then it doesn't count for anything, right? When I played Return of the Oberdin, I felt like the lid was completely blown off the genre. 
it just approached deduction with so much freedom without like telling you where the breadcrumbs are that I know what you mean like you go back to a game like LA Noir and it sort of feels like as long as you pay attention and like follow the cues you'll always find the clues you're supposed to mm-hmm. and they're pretty mm-hmm. they're pretty simple to figure out where to place is that see is it, I was... does, it, does it seem does it seem like like a kind of linear like deduction in that same way or yeah kind of i mean you're still piecing together a puzzle but you have to do it by the game's rules right yeah this is this is almost like total speculation and wish wishing but like one thing that i thought would have been kind of cool is kind of like what eleanor has like an intimidate option where you can kind of like bullshit and intimidate people considering that you are like a high priest in this like religious society so that would have been kind of interesting uh but you know that's not in the game and that's fine i think it's still an interesting game um it's it's beautiful it looks really cool i love the art style and and the sort of like general design of it um, and it's really interesting. If you like uh, detective games or like point-and-click games, if you play a lot of Phoenix Wright or maybe something like Oberdin or Disco Elysium might be a little too intimidating for you, I would consider checking out uh, Lucifer Within because it's a, it's a very interesting game. I know you were just segueing out, but I'm... I oh, sure, yeah, yeah, ask, no, totally. Like, I heard that it has... Like, with any of these detective games, the gameplay loop is different i heard this one is about assembling a timeline is that right like yeah so like in the first mission no spoilers in the first mission there are two main suspects so you talk to them and like if they both tell you their side of the story it shows their side of the story like from their perspective and then if you notice contradictions you can point it out and they'll be like oh well i must have forgot about it and then they'll change their story accordingly right so again it's kind of like phoenix right but you see it physically play out in front of you and there is a bar that you can see be like oh point to this specific part this is not right oh like a like a video editing looking bar like you're literally kinda, dragging yeah, yeah. things on this well timeline. you don't really drag or move anything but you okay. have options to click there's like different parts of the story right like it'll be like hey this oh, okay. happened and then cut to the next part next part right so they're they're yeah. kind of pre-divided up and then you can divide those up or condense them together depending on the evidence you have. Like, if they'll be like, oh, I actually did this during this time, suddenly a new thing will pop up. Or yeah, if they'll be that, like, oh, I lied about this, that'll go away. That was really appealing to me in the in the screenshots that we saw, because it... Like, one of my favorite parts of um, Rompa is at the end of every case, <laughs> you get all of the events of the case laid out with, like, sort of blank, vague characters, and you have mm-hmm. to assign names, and then you have to shuffle them into order... And you like execute it, and then the game tells you if you got it right or not. Yeah, That's, it's a, it's a lot of fun. Sounds like a cool, similar. Yeah, it kind is. Of thing. Uh, you know what? You know what else it is though. It's it's demons are spooky, right? We're all scared of demons. Every one of us, all yeah. of us, all the time, are scared oh, yeah. of ghosts and ghouls and demons. You scared of ghosts, Janelle? No. No. You sure? Yes. No, I'm pretty scared. <laughs> well, then you should be the leader of the podcast if you're, you're you're so much more courageous than the rest of us <laughs> yeah did That's you what, can... what did you at least want to talk about um an interesting game that we played that i yes shush let me talk about this perfect game okay we've been playing phasmophobia it's fucking awesome what, it's what is phasmophobia it's a ghost game nolan will you explain the game yeah phasmophobia is a it's like a co-op game co-op horror game which listener 
might sound weird because playing games with your friends typically not very cool. scary but uh horror games i love playing games with friends horror games it's a different story but phasmophobia is a co-op ghost hunting game so basically like you roll up with your friends in a van and you have a location like a house or a building the case and you have all these tools but the tools are like think um maybe history channel or like discovery channel ghost hunter stuff you know the handheld night vision camera and the mm-hmm. weird like electromagnetic field detector that nobody explains why that yeah. would work but it a- just does a- and e's ghost hunters is what it is yeah. yeah it's 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 very much just like that sort of pop culture version of ghost hunting that we all eat popcorn to mm-hmm. but um the mechanics of it are sort of deduction so you'll go in with all your friends and you'll be like okay you carry the emf reader i'll carry the camera you carry the flashlight or whatever um and you just sort of go in and try and get paranormal things to happen by luring the ghost out. And then you have to deduct, like, okay, this type of ghost makes the room turn cold. This type of ghost leaves um, fingerprints on the walls or whatever. And you sort of gather a bunch of information, uh, figure out what ghost it is, and get points if you're right. And if you take too long, as, <laughs> as happened to, to not at least once, you die and scream and spike your microphone. <laughs> The thing is about that game, about all horror games, is that I'm the bad boy in town. I'm always <laughs> talking about how this shit doesn't scare me because I play Silent Hill. It's too cool for that, yeah. But it's a lie. I get scared really <laughs> easily, actually. And there was a... Oh, man, the last time we played it, we were playing with um, a former co-host, friend of the show, <laughs> um... I don't know if we're allowed to say names. Yeah, it's fine. You can say your name, Andrea. Yeah, Andrea. And um, there was... I died. I died on one level, and everybody else was still alive. And there was this moment where, like, I'm a ghost, and I'm watching them all be idiots, like, about to get killed by this other ghost. And Nolan comes back into the building I just died in. And I am, like, at my computer, genuinely almost crying because I'm so scared, <laughs> going, like, don't do it. Don't do it. And... I love that feeling. It's so fun. Even if that game has... Like, it's early access so it's pretty buggy and they're like i do think it's missing some things that would make it a little bit better Mm -hmm. but despite that i have had such good memories with my friends already and that is just really exciting like alex is a fucking coward listeners (laughs) and there's this one time where like nolan and i both had like zero percent sanity left and Uh, sanity is like you don't you don't die from your health going down but the longer you're in the dark or like the more ghosts around you your sanity drops and when you get to zero you're more vulnerable to the ghost attacking you. So, like, you, you, you're you going to be a target, yeah. basically. So, so Nolan and I both have, like, 6% sanity. And Alex here is at, like, 70% because he didn't leave the van the whole time because he was scared. I was monitoring what was going he on. He was monitoring he was what was going on. And, yeah. like, we needed somebody to go back in, but Nolan and I couldn't because yeah. we would die. Alex didn't care, though. He sent Nolan in, who died. And then Alex just fucking, like, closed the van, which ends the run, mm-hmm. and left yeah so i I, I watched nolan's digital camera tumble to the ground and you could see his corpse lying there and janelle's <laughs> like you gotta go get the camera we're gonna do something and i and i slowly and silently moved towards the exit of our ghost hunting van <laughs> shut the door and drove away it's really good um, it's, it's a fun game i do want to specify for listeners in case it's unclear because it followed lucifer within us that game lucifer within us was 
um, a code given to us to review. This was not, we did pay for this game. Yeah. Yeah. Th- th- yeah. This was uh, us on our own time thinking, oh, this game looks interesting. Let's check it out. Yeah. We've never spoken to the developers. In fact, I the developer. This is made by one guy. Yeah, but would you really be surprised if that turned out to be a fake and it was just a real, like real ghosts getting free space on your computer? Oh, a shit. real ghost made a oh, root. That's like a Trojan horse of a game. One of my one of the cool things about it. And this is also one of the frustrating things about it is that it requires uh, mic detection. So mm-hmm. you have to turn on speech recognition on your PC, and then when you speak into the spirit box and be like, oh, first name, last name, are you here? Can, can you hear us? There's like a set number of phrases, and sometimes it won't work or it just won't respond to you. So it's a very interesting idea that's very frustrating to get to work. There was one time, though, where Nolan called the ghost a big cuss <laughs> word. I don't remember what he called it. He was really mean about it, though. He called it like a shit baby or something. And, and I know it just like was a coincidence probably but it got so mad at us I mean, I don't, yeah i, don't I think know. it's hard coded to detect swear words so if you call Some... the ghost a stinky bitch then it'll get mad sometimes yeah. i think it's a coincidence i would I get remember mad too. when i played the 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 first mission i remember finding the room the ghost was in turning off all the lights which you have to do to be able to talk to it mm-hmm. and getting the spirit box out which is like a little it's like an fm radio yeah it's yeah. constantly scanning channels and you 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 talk into your microphone and if the ghost can hear you, it'll it'll send it will communicate back as like a radio wave. It'll pick it up and it, it interprets it. So it's all very indirect. But you know, you say something like, "Who are you?" and it'll come back and say, "Child." And you'll say, "What do you want from us? What do you what are you trying to do?" Kill. And it Die. came back and it said, "Kill." Yeah. Get out and. I flipped because I just didn't think that the game would actually be able to respond to what I asked. I thought that it was going to react to the fact that I was talking to it, but not actually like parse the question. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of shocking when it works. The unfortunate thing is that I must have played that game for four, five hours, and I can only think of one time that the ghost actually like provably was responding to what I was saying versus just potentially coincidentally responding yeah to, it's very it's very yeah. touchy it's hard yeah. to tell because it's it's a buggy game so it very well could be like oh you're like a real ghost hunter you're listening for responses and maybe they're bullshit and maybe there's nothing but it also could very easily be just the game is not reading it right so like i think that they're supposed to be like 30 or something like quite a few yeah. um lines that the ghosts are supposed to be able to understand and i imagine since that feature alone is like kind of the biggest draw of the game for for me anyway um but they'll probably fix that probably yeah, yeah. It's, I, it's in it's in alpha right now so it's really early on yeah. and, and I, they're doing amazingly well so they yeah. talked about yeah. like because this is made by one guy he's talked about hiring a team and restructuring his whole uh like development plans so yeah i'm excited gonna, to see where this game goes i was gonna mention that because he was planning on keeping it in like early access for a while but i think he's scrapping that to like get as many people hired on as possible which is very cool it's a lot of fun yeah. I'm excited to play it in VR someday and then die. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's sports VR right now. Even yeah. in early access, yeah. It yeah. does. Y'all want to talk time. about the PS5 real quick and then we can go on to other news stories? Oh, yeah. The embargo's it's the news. up. It, oh, yeah, it, news. It, yeah, the embargo dropped today for the PS5. Listener. So people are allowed to talk about all of its features and some of the games that they have for it. It's finally here. It's finally here. The Emerald Games cast can talk about the PS5. We don't have it. We don't have it. We don't have it. None of us have it. We can talk about how we didn't 
make the cut for getting well, a PS5. We, we can talk about how neither did Danny O'Dwyer, neither did Action Button star Tim Rogers. We are on the same level as Tim Rogers right now. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> we didn't get the PS5, none of us did. Wait, I can I can do the Tim Rogers review of the PS5. Please. Like we, we only have an hour. Oh, no, I can do it in 30 seconds. It goes like, <laughs> Hello, I'm Tim Rogers, and welcome back to video games. Have you read Fyodor Dostoevsky's War and Peace? I have. 13 separate translations. I read the first one in six hours when I was 12 years old. Back then, I was a wee baby boy in Indianapolis, Indiana. I lived with Todd Howard. <laughs> That's all. Listener, he makes much fun like of Tim Rogers, Dante. but much like Dante. Tim Rogers added at him on Discord, and I think he almost started crying. So... Much like Dante, I too am going through heck right now as I am unable to acquire my PlayStation 5 video game console. When I was the personal assistant for Shinji Mikami in 2007, (laughs) I was living in the attic of a temple in Kyoto. He handed me a copy of Resident Evil 4 and said, I think this game is good. But I want it to be great. <laughs> we had a deep and revealing conversation over 70-year-old sake. He told me a lot of things, mostly about his new dog. I'm not going to divulge them to you, but I sure will think about them real hard. <laughs> yes, Your Tim Rogers impression is amazing, by the way. Can I just really, point that out? It it's so good. It's really good. Um, <laughs> we love you, Tim Rogers. Um, Come on the show, Tim Rogers. But oh, we... Are getting information about the PS5. Um, there's only two games out for it. One of them isn't even really a game, and the other one is a pretty short game, from what I understand. Okay, the one that isn't a game is cute as. No, it, lo- it looks great, and people seem to yeah. really, really like it. Yeah. What's um, it that is uh, Astrobot VR. It comes uh, in like it pre-installed with your console, as just like a feature, which is a super cool feature. I'm really glad they did that. I, I wish more companies did that. Um, and the other one is Spider-Man Miles Morales, which just looks like more Spider-Man, which is fine because looks that like game a is just yeah. The Spider-Man PS4 is just like a cotton candy video game for me, right? Like it's not hard, it's not particularly engaging or deep, but it sure is fun, and I sure do want more of it all the time. You know, there's That's not a lot of substance games. there, but the substance there I, I like a lot. Hey, not to like be weird about semantics, What's but up? for me, when I eat cotton candy, that's like an event. So for you to like, that's just a weird comparison because that's like a whole ass thing for me. And that's just nothing for you. Well, I mean, you know, if I'm in, if I'm at the state fair or whatever and I order a cotton candy and I eat it and it's like, it just goes away really quickly. It's just a burst of sweetness and then nothing. And then you feel a little sick because it's literally just sugar. You know? It's like that gif of the raccoon who tries to wash his. It's exactly oh. that. Yeah. In the water. Yeah. Okay, it's like, I'm oh, sorry. I have a beautiful treat and now it's gone. You know? This and what was there was not that. Anything beyond just a treat, you know? The difference between this Spider-Man game or DLC or whatever the fuck it is and... It's a game. It's a full game. And the PS4 one, which I have played neither, is that Miles Morales is fucking sick. He's he's the best Spider-Man. That is something people have pointed out, is that he does, like, cooler tricks than Peter Parker does. What I want to know is how many Spider-Man games can they do before they can't... Um like just use the new york city that they made again there's nothing left to add to it it's the, oh, whole, it's more it's the whole city 
I know you could add more boroughs, but they but like they have the whole Manhattan Island, so you'd have to add. I guess you'd have to add the stuff across the Brooklyn Bridge or whatnot. But I'm guessing I'm just or saying, just like, change the map, like get more in depth or make it more accurate or bigger or something. You know. I guess I'm just saying, like at some point, your game, your trailers are all going to be like repeating the same landmarks. I think it'd be cool if we had a Spider-Man game that was set in just a weird place. Like if there was a game that riffed on Far From Home and did London or something like that. Um, maybe they'll collaborate with Microsoft Flight Sim. Just the whole, <laughs> the whole world? Yeah. yeah. Spider-Man mean, swinging around. You mean Asobo Studios, creator of A Plague Tale Innocence? Why do you keep making fun of that game? It's awesome. I'm not making fun of it. It's yeah. just, is that not so weird? They're like, we it's made super our... Weird. It's we, super weird. We You're made right. our Last of Us inspired medieval adventure. Now bring in the, the plane concept art for making a flight sim, boys. Microsoft liked the rats we made. They said, make a Cessna 152. Those That's are like large step. rats of the sky. They're basically large rats of the sky. Yeah. Listeners, you heard it here first. Airplanes, big, big rats. Airplanes, so, big rats. real quick, just about the console, right? Yeah. Um, Jeff Gerstman, uh, who is a member of Giant Bomb, he's super cool, talked a lot about the, the minutia and the meat and potatoes of the console itself as opposed to games. Um... One thing he said, and was disappointed about, which I am also disappointed about, is the PS5 is all the same. You did not connect your external drive properly. Let's wait several minutes while we repair your drive stuff. The PS4 did. Um, a lot of the stuff under the surface is has the same issues as the PS4. Uh, you cannot load PS5 games from an external hard drive onto your PS5. Hmm. Um, the beep is the same when you turn it on. Mm. I heard I about that. that. I love that beep. But, like, what, what if we had a new beep? Why? They changed the opening theme every time. Why can't we get a new beep? Who cares? Alex, do you care? Yes, I care about the beep. If I'm gonna, sp- if I'm hypothetically gonna spend however much, like, what, like $500 on a video game console, I want that's a like, new goddamn beep. That's like saying that you buy a car based on what the horn sounds like. But, like, that could be a feature, you oh, know? God. I think the oh look it's it's at the end of the day it's fine it doesn't matter but it also right. would have been cool if we got a new beep that's all I'm saying well all, I'm just if putting Alex that out there a, if Alex bought a car the sound of the horn would be very important to him because I can't do a lot else yeah <laughs> listener the joke is I don't have my driver's license <laughs> just in case you were unaware uh, <laughs> I'm sorry I thought that was really funny it, it was. <laughs> It was. Um, Listen, I... Okay, if we're going to make fun of the PS5 for anything, hold on a second. Okay. It's that you can take off the, the, the side things. Oh, what yeah. The, you can add faceplates. Oh, like the, the, the coat. Like you can take the, take the coat off. You can take its coat off. Give it a drink. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, God. Well, don't do that. That'll break your machine, so... What's the take it out to dinner equivalent with a PlayStation? Do you give it... You give it a brand new $70 PS5 game. You, you, yeah, you <laughs> sl- like slip a disc in there. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. One, one other important thing is that at one point in time, PT, the uh, the Konami mm. game from Kojima, worked on the PS5. Yeah. But then there were reports saying that the publisher, which is Konami, uh, made it not work on the PS5. What? Yeah. What? So if you transferred your PS5 data and you had PT, if you had a brief window of time where you were like reviewing it or whatever, it worked on the PS5. But then Konami decided to just arbitrarily stop that and make it not work. Can we have a Konami episode sometime? Because I really want to talk about this. 
And now that I'm a, the world's biggest Metal Gear fan, I want to talk about this extra, <laughs> but that'll take up the whole rest of our time. But why can't they just let people have fun? Why can't you know, they just let people have fun? I, I, It's so stupid of Konami to do this from a PR standpoint, but at the same time, I understand the... I, I guess I can kind of imagine the strategy of it, and maybe it comes down to just not wanting people to focus on that part of Konami anymore. Maybe they just want to, like, totally divorce themselves like from that. Like the good and, video game part? Well, <laughs> yeah, because Konami doesn't care about video games anymore. So if they stop feeding people anything to talk about on the video game side, there's a, there's a better opportunity for them to just totally shift over and, like, I mean, the people that are going to be playing, like, Pachinko, Konami Cabinets, the market they're going for, they probably don't really care about Konami games anyways, Konami. so they don't really need to keep goodwill with us anymore, you Does know? it care about their video games, but still won't put Hideo Kojima's name on Metal Gear Solid Five? Here's oh, the they, thing. they did that, like, so yeah. quick. I Here's know, the thing that like... I'm caught up on that I feel like nobody ever addresses, is that PT <laughs> is a playable teaser, right? It's teasing a game that was cancelled and will never come out. If they were to release PT officially again, they would have to, like, remove any instances of there being a Silent Hills game. Because otherwise well, that's just, like, no, weird no, false advertising. That's actually at the very it, end, though. We're, we're, we're talking about people already having this thing installed. No edits, no upgrades, no ports. Just, right, just, right. It's backwards compatible. They wouldn't be releasing it again. It would just be, like, popping a oh, no, no, yeah. PS4 disc in. That's absolutely out of spite and contempt for Kojima yeah, 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 and, and video games. Yeah. I understand that. But, like, people being like, why don't you just re-release it? I would love for that game to be re-released or released in some capacity. You could slap a $5 bill on there and people would pay for it, right? You oh, could, yeah. You could slap a fucking $60 bill on it and I'd pay for it. Yeah. Ooh, uh, I, would, I wouldn't. I would. I would <laughs> pay anything. I would pay, like, 80 bucks. Um, they could just they could re-release it, take out the Norman Reedus stuff at the end, but call it Pilot Tilth. But then that's that's like the whole point of that game is that it is a it builds up to this playable teaser, you know? Oh, I know. So it's it's lame and it sucks and they should release it, but I get it. Um, I want to talk about with the PS5 that the reception is so good on the haptic feedback on the controllers. Cause yeah, that's, that's what I'm excited about. I um we mentioned the Astro Boy, not Astro Boy. <laughs> Astrobot Astro Man game, um, yeah, the pack in PS5 game, the Astro Bot adaptation. No, Astro Bot World was uh, Giant Bomb did a quick look at that when this came out. Which, of course, since we don't have our own PS5s, we kind of have to source these these secondhand sources. But I remember I think it was Brad Lynch or Jeff Gersman, one of the two, saying that they were so impressed with the controller that like it it alone made it feel um more next gen than the graphical mm -hmm. upgrades in the actual games yeah so it sounds like finally uh a company really landed on a gimmick that could be truly meaningful uh, it, uh but it's contingent on how much third-party developers stand by that and how much they put into it because this could go the way of the Wii, where we had a great gimmick and people stopped using it, even though it had a lot of potential. So hopefully that isn't going to be the case with the controllers on PS5. I think it's going to be but, another touchpad situation, where it's just not used, or it's used for well, something different. I, but that's I'm, like I'm, the I'm, developers, I'm, I'm right? Optimistic. Like, it's really frustrating that we keep getting these really cool things and people are making fun of them, but like developers are choosing not to implement them into their games. Like... 
Well, sure, if you have a multi-platform release or something, or, like, maybe if you have to do a weird thing that's not might not work on the next system, right? Maybe stop being so console-inclusive and just give me my I... touchpad and let me go on ice and have that really satisfying feeling that they talked about. I really, I really think this could work. I, I think this could work. I really do. And and the reason why is because, one, it has such good press. It's so opt- I'm so optimistic for people wanting to play into this for the sake of marketing their own game. Like, it's it's not just like, hey, motion controls are controversial. Here's our motion controls game. It's like, hey, here's our great big game. Don't you want to feel the dirt beneath your tires? You can throw that in your marketing. It's an easy sell. And it probably isn't that hard to implement. You don't have to make new assets for it. The other thing is that with a gimmick like motion controls or like the touchpad, your multi-platform argument makes a lot of sense because those are going to be input methods that you can't translate elsewhere. But a super hyper HD rumble or whatever the heck they're calling it, I totally forgot, like like adaptive feedback, I don't even remember. Haptic Haptic feedback or whatnot. Mm -hmm that is going to be supplemental. That's going to be like, hey, this this part of the game, even if it's multi-platform, you're like sliding down a hill. On the other consoles, it'll be rumbling. On this console, it'll be like really detailed rumbling, but it's not going to be like there's a feature you can't do on one console that you can on the other. Sure. The only case I can see popping up is if they did like had a game with a Mario Odyssey type thing where you're using it to find something or whatnot. But... It just seems like easier for people to use without it being something they have to make huge considerations against other versions for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah. I could be wrong. I don't know. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to see. That's the thing. Yeah, I don't know. Time um, will tell because there are many gimmicks that I thought would be neat and ideas that I thought would be cool that, and other developers also thought would be cool that never ended up coming to fruition or working, so... I mean, yeah, I think props to the DS for being the only time that a gimmick has has like sustained a whole console. Um, lifespan. the Wii, the whole Wii, the the Wii. Well, yeah, with, well, Nintendo with the has a like, consistently Nintendo has a pretty good it, track but... record with that. Yeah. Yeah, Nintel- N- Nintello? Nintello? Nintendo. Nintendo. Remember, one of Nintendo's gimmicks was a a joystick, which is now a very common feature in that's true in games so or in consoles. Oh, yeah. That reminds so. me, I found, a, I found a Labo at Goodwill recently. Whoa. Ooh. And I thought, how can they be sure they have all the pieces of cardboard in this box? How much was it? I don't know, but it was like six bucks. I didn't, I didn't see that. Oh, you should have yeah. bought it for six bucks. I know, but it just, I didn't, you know, it's COVID. It's a big box of cardboard, and I thought, where was this? Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Speaking yeah. of Nintendo, we have a little bit of news um, that I think we're going to speed through here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow, well, we are running way it's out of time. It's all good. It's all good. We can get through it. Speaking of Nintendo, uh, CNET reported, according to a financial report released by Nintendo, that the Nintendo Switch has finally outsold the NES, which is a damn big deal, in my opinion, because yeah. Nintendo's been chasing that shadow, well, ever since the NES. Not and quite the Wii. The Wii is still the highest-selling console from them but i've forgotten that's a good yeah point. yeah but they how's it, the ds is the ds up there too ds is i think still their their most successful console if i remember okay, right but okay. i think if we're making the sort of handheld and uh uh console divide uh but yeah so this comes from a uh a financial report nintendo just released um they also talked about 
uh, how certain games are doing. And I think to no one's surprise, if you've been keeping an eye on like social media, Animal Crossing is doing very, very well. And in fact, it is on the fast track. By next year, it is almost definitely going to have outsold er, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, making it the highest best-selling game on the console, which is wild to me. Do... This is maybe a stupid question. What's up? Do games that come with console bundles count for sales? I imagine they do. Sometimes these are weird because it'll be like, this is only digital sales or only physical sales, right? They never seem to be able to track both. So I don't know what the the, the details are with this. I was just wondering because like almost, almost every bundle I've ever seen for the Switch comes with Mario Kart. That's a very good point. That is a very, very good point. I didn't think about that. Yeah. But it's still wild that this game is going to outsell outsell a game that comes with the console. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's crazy, and I feel like it's deserved too. I mean, Animal Crossing uh, New Horizons is is a great game. Yeah, absolutely. I know. I feel like people aren't really playing it much these days, but like, it's still so so damn comfortable. Like, I think even if we are not are no longer in peak like hashtag self care bake some bread play some animal crossing <laughs> while we try not to kill other people with the coronavirus it still like has its place right now and yeah. is excellent at what it does yeah and also the updates have been really great i don't know nolan i know you haven't touched it since april no. <laughs> but alex i don't know if you play it at all anymore but like the most recent updates have all been really cute and fun the halloween one was incredible and i'm excited to see it sell so well i love this game yeah, and even though people aren't talking about it as much now, Animal Crossing has always been a series. Every game that sort of flows in and out of phases. I feel like most people, after playing like one or two seasons, will sort of stop playing every day and maybe come back for holidays. But mm-hmm. it's pretty hard, I think, to play one Animal Crossing game for like a whole year every day. Like, you I mean, I'm sure people do. Out. But, right. But I mean, the popularity, you know, mm-hmm. it'll it'll come back. People will be playing Animal Crossing again next year. It'll be it's gonna be hype as hell again, all over. You well, want to talk? Have more things. Sorry, Alex. Yeah, no, you're good. I, I was just saying that. Uh, Nolan, did you want to talk about one more thing, and then we can go on to our games of the year? Or yeah, sure, sure. Listener, you might remember a while back. I'm not sure exactly how long ago, but it was this year that we learned that Sega was closing down a really famous arcade in Akihabara in Tokyo. There's this sort of iconic Club Sega arcade down there that when the coronavirus was hitting, they were not able to keep afloat as much as they wanted to because obviously arcade is pretty inherently bad for the virus because like you're going you're touching all the same controls everyone else touched you're you're being in this sort of cramped hot space um but they seem to be doing all right since then but unfortunately um news is right now that sega is actually it's sold its arcade business or at least like the the most of the controlling share so they um are going to a company called Genda Entertainment and it doesn't sound like they're going to be shutting the arcades down per se. News isn't really like super clear on that right now but they're possibly 
going to be not called Club Sega anymore. That's another thing that we don't really know right now. I, I feel like it's probably unlikely they'll still be Club Sega. But in any case, it's kind of the end of an era in a lot of ways. Like, if you've played any of the Yakuza games, you know that the Club Segas are not just something Sega's very proud of, puts a lot of time into and money, but that they're also sort of a fixture of the arcade culture over there. They're like maybe one of the most prominent they have a very recognizable facade on the outside there. You know, it's just, it's sad to well, see Sega have to lose this when we, Sega seemed like it was rising so much and they have such a history of these well, things failing, you know. There are a few things worth mentioning. Um, mm-hmm. There are three things worth mentioning. One, I don't think that they will drop the name Club Sega because, can you scroll back up please? I was okay. reading Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Because people are more likely to go to a Club Sega than they are to go to a Genda. Okay. Arcade place, yeah. for one. Um, two, they're still developing arcade games, so they're not going to stop doing that by any means. Mm-hmm. And also, they... I mean, this article that we're looking at from uh, money.yahoo.com talks about how they were already kind of losing business because even in Japan, the arcade business isn't as yeah. popular as it used to be. So I don't think this is quite as surprising, to me anyway, as it is to you. It's not so surprising. It's just, it's, it's just it's sad. sad. Yeah, it It's not so surprising. Sad. It's just... I I feel lucky that I got to go to a Club Sega before Club Segas came into so much jeopardy. And they felt like they would be too big to fail. One, there's so many of yeah. them. Two, you go into one and it has like eight floors. You know, the bottom two floors alone they have dedicated to these crane games and different, you know, merch gambles or whatever and then you just have like the fighting game floor and the rhythm game floor and the driving game floor and it just it feels like you're in goddamn arcade mecca and they have tons of them and they just seem kind of concretely fixed so it's what? it's weird to me to imagine going like to Akihabara or going to Ikebukuro and not seeing the big red Club Sega escalators. They just feel like they're part of the location. What I'm curious about is what this will mean for the next Kamurocho if there is one set Yakuza game. Um, I mean, who knows, man? Maybe the thing is that Sega doesn't have to abide by real... Maybe that's where the Yakuza timeline branches yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. Club, well, Club Sega continues to exist. And people are making that argument that they don't have to have real-life locations, yeah. but that is kind of one of the things about those games. No, but I mean, they could have a real-life location where Club Sega didn't close down. Like yeah. like, like how 9-11 doesn't happen in the West Wing. They just skip over that. <laughs> yeah. It could be like that for that it's comparison it's, about Sega, I it's, realize. It's just like 9-11, Nolan, I, is what you're saying like to me. It's just like 9-11, Nolan. Listener, I meant the timeline divergence that sounds, <laughs> yeah, the, so, the, that sounds so bad. The 9-11 divergence compared to the Club Sega divergence. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, jeez. I will say really quick, though, that they have... Sega has been very open about how they've been really struggling with the pandemic. There was an article that released not too long ago about how they were asking employees if they would be willing to voluntarily retire. Um oh. Because Whoa. they can't afford to pay them anymore. That's that's some that's some real Ingsoc shit right there. <laughs> this is only a little related, but just as a quick thing, I was reading the other day on Reddit. Um, somebody was talking about how, despite the fact that Japan has the workforce we know it to have, you know, everybody goes to the office and works like eighteen-hour days. Wow. Ah. Um, people are starting to say that like work from home is becoming the norm in Japan, and that is such a drastic shift that 
this reminded me for some reason. That's a fun thing to talk about, I guess. Um, just reminded me. Just thought I'd mention it, I guess. I remember there was a thing people were talking about when the work from home orders and the pandemic started because a majority of people that worked at, I think it was Capcom, just didn't have internet connection in their homes Whoa. or like a computer. That's and my it's fucking like, dream. And it's like, how do you... No, it's not. Are you kidding me? Yes, You're on a video game podcast. I'll do that at work. You make a good point, but man, the idea of being able to go home and not have the internet is it's excellent. Yeah, especially now. But it's so weird to think that like you, you're working on, I don't know, let's say hypothetically Street Fighter V, an, an yeah. online-focused fighting game, and you don't even like use the internet or play video games in your spare hey, time. Some, some, some people don't. I mean, you know, we have people like Masahiro Sakurai who play games like a second job, but um, Yu Suzuki, the guy that makes Shinmu, I mean, he is famous for saying he like doesn't ever play video games and yeah. he doesn't want to. Um, like Kojima definitely plays games, but even he mostly watches movies. Mm. You know, doesn't get away with it. It's, it's weird though, isn't it? Speaking of Hideo Kojima, oh, my favorite topic. My favorite topic. I had my first day at work today, <laughs> listener, and I had to wake up at seven a.m. But we were up until three o'clock talking about Hideo Kojima. Oh my god! So, um, it happens every week on the podcast since. Since the year 1995 <laughs> or whatever, we yeah. talk about our favorite games of that year. And we're still doing that. We're catching up. I'm kind of nervous. I don't know why I started in the middle of the 1990s. That's yeah, like, around when we were born. Yeah. Yeah, but man. It's like the... it's. We, we've all probably played a few games from the 80s, but I feel like the time that we really picked up, like the consoles we would have as kids, would go back to around where we started. The thing that for game keeps of the year. stressing me out is that I should have started it having it line up with Game of the Year episode 2020. But that's going to come before the end of this. Uh, I think about that when yeah. I try to fall asleep at night. But anyway, <laughs> but anyway 2015... Alex, what did you play that year? Or rather, what game in retrospect from that year is your favorite What's game? What's the best game? So, I know what Nolan's going to pick, and I'm not going to pick that one, but I do want to say that Nolan's probably right about what he's going to say. Would you pick that one if I weren't going to pick it? Well, here's the thing. I would, maybe, because I'm stuck between this one and Undertale. Okay. Yep. Undertale is, is an incredible video game. I know it's like a funny like meme joke game. But it's actually, like, a pretty stellar video game. Like, no, in almost every brilliant. aspect. What? I don't think people make fun of it anymore. I think it's like Minecraft. I think now it's lame to make fun of it. Yeah. I mean, but it's it's a little like Minecraft, where it's always, like, a little bit of irony. But, like, they're yeah. both still amazing games. Undertale is an unbelievably good game. I don't think, to this day, I've seen a game that experiments with choices and consequences quite in the same way Undertale does, right? And it's such a small, like, small-scale, strange little game, and it does it so well. It's just, it's unbelievably impressive. Toby yeah. Fox is a is a mastermind genius. I'm very excited to see what he's working on next, um, which I guess is going to be uh, the Undertale spinoff, which I actually haven't played yet. Um, is it Deltarune? Yes, thank you. The next episode of Deltarune. Um... But, like, if you haven't played Undertale, I, I, I sincerely think you're missing out. I think it is... I think it should be in the running for one of the best games, like, end quote. Like, if you made a top 50 list, I think that should be up there. 
Like, it's sincerely and truly and thoroughly. I feel bad because that's a game that I hear consistently as being a really good game that I never gave a chance to for the same reason people think Doctor Who is bad without ever watching it. Oh, well, Doctor Who is bad. That's the difference. No, that it, you're an idiot. It's been on since the 60s. Yeah, and they just keep pumping them out because they, the BBC gets okay. government and money. Undertale's and Undertale's the stupid idiot game. <laughs> Undertale is, is, a, is a stupid idiot game with some really interesting ideas at play. Okay, and so is Doctor... Oh, my God. Anyway. <laughs> you, you, you just mean that, like, you heard too much about it. Like, yes, people kept I, People wouldn't stop talking about it. Yeah. And that okay. the fan base was pretty annoying yeah. for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I played that game right after Alex recommended it. I think, that, like, the first day that you played it, you texted me and said, hey, would you... Something like, would you think it was weird if I told you that this weird goat mom game almost made me cry? And I was like, no, but I'm definitely curious. <laughs> I don't remember that at all, but that does sound very much like Maybe not in those words. I think you said something a little bit more like, would, would you believe that it had the like the most extraordinarily the most extraordinary emotional beat i've seen in a game in years or something and it it sucks because so much of undertale is the surprise and like not knowing how this game works but the internet has thoroughly ruined it oh it's like, completely impossible to play it like that yeah now. yeah which yeah. which sucks so if you don't know if you're listening to this and you don't know what undertale is i envy you play this I know game nothing just about this spell game. it right when it's tail like the like story when you google it i know yeah. nothing about this game because the other one will get you bad it. results. I can still play it fresh. You should. You probably should play won't. it fresh sometime. You probably I'm know about Sans Undertale. I know that's a person. Colin, <laughs> <laughs> what's your game of the year? Well, I want to know what yours is. My two or your two, I think. Wait, I don't have two. Well, it's Go with hard. the one that's not the one you think <laughs> I'm picking. It's a really hard competition. Okay. Bloodborne came out that year. Oh, damn, I forgot. See? I've been, I know! I, have, I think I've been accidentally saying Bloodborne for like two episodes now, haven't I? No. Okay. One episode? No. I totally talked about Bloodborne one time. doesn't matter. Okay. No, it was you talked about fucking Persona 5 last episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that came out like three years after that year. I don't know year. why that happened. Okay, yeah. so about Bloodborne. Let's talk about Bloodborne. <laughs> Bloodborne came out that year. I think you have more to say about it, maybe. But I think it is the second best Souls game. What's the first? Souls, uh, Demon Souls. Oh, okay. Of course, and everybody will know that in about a week. <laughs> so, um, Bloodborne is fucking incredible, and I I bet you'll talk about it some more. But my real pick for that year is a game I haven't finished yet. I've only started it, but that's all I need to know. Because somewhere, listener, in the year, in a couple of months that I've been on this podcast, my personality has completely changed from thinking that Metal Gear is sexist and disgusting and awful to planning out a Metal Gear Solid tattoo because Metal Gear fucking rules and Metal Gear 5 came out that year and that game fucking rules imagine that all it took was for you to actually play a Metal Gear game I know can you believe that yeah I can't can you believe that that's fucking crazy Metal Gear rules Metal Gear 5 rules I remember how far are you in Metal Gear 5 um only a few missions in after the like initial beginning part I, i'm sorry but do you do you feel qualified enough to say that this is this is it's the best? my favorite game so far that came out that year yes more um, than bloodborne yeah well wow. even e- even if like you know even if there's a listener out there that feels that's questionable i suppose we could just say like out of all the games i've ever played that came out in 2015 already where i'm at i love this game more than any of them oh i was i was about to say that since you picked bloodborne also I mean, I agree you're qualified to say MGS5, but if someone out there doesn't, 
remember that you they, picked Bloodborne also. No, no, no. If someone else doesn't, they can get fucked. Whoa. Because I love this so game hostile. already. Well, it's my game of the year. It's not Fair theirs. Enough. Pick your own, jerk. Cool. <laughs> um, I heard you start to use that vowel and back off. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's like, I think this game is incredible so far to the point where even only a few missions in, I already am loving it in a way that I haven't felt myself love a game in a while. Which, it's, it's so as somebody fun. with mental health issues, that's really special to me. This game rules. It's great. It's just so much fun. Game. Also, it has the best beginning to any game I've ever played, and I'm not even exaggerating when I say that. So the hospital too. opening is is a the Game hospital perfect. opening is a is a bonk because it's it's really fun to see like now that I've played more Metal Gear games you know Metal Gear Solid Five is Kojima being more subtle than any other Metal <laughs> Gear game and yet you have in the beginning where Ishmael is like you know I'll call you Ahab and then you get out to the port with Revolver Ocelot and he's like. It's a whaling ship. We're going out to get our revenge. And it's... <laughs> you lose Ahab. a limb and it's about you coping <laughs> with that. It's like you, you lost your arm from an elusive enemy and we're getting on our whaling ship, uh, Ahab. Here's your helicopter named Pequod. Don't read into it. It's great. <laughs> and also there's a giant whale made of fire that comes out of the sky. And also the game was announced under a fake studio called Moby Dick Studios. It's fits. Listener, this is Kojima being subtle. the thing that's crazy to me is that it has so far my now second favorite metal gear character voiced by my favorite voice actor and it's my it's his worst role (sighs) troy baker is fine in it yeah troy baker ocelot's a downgrade from josh keaton ocelot extremely however kojima has no respect for any of the the voice actors that like made metal gear metal gear well, like, they've been very vocal about this. He's been trying to get rid of, and he did with Metal Gear or uh, Phantom Pain. He's been trying to get rid of uh, what's his face for a while David now. Hader. David Hater. Yeah, David Hater. Yeah. yeah, he wanted, if I remember right, I think he wanted Kurt Russell like right out of the gate in the, well, in the beginning. It was, I mean, the character is very clearly inspired yeah, yeah, totally. by uh, Snake Plissken. I think his name is. From the character Escape is New York. so inspired by Snake Plissken yeah. that when you first encounter Solid Snake in. Metal Gear Solid 2. Well, no, that's not he Solid says, Snake. Uh, okay, how clear, you haven't gotten to the point in Metal Gear Solid 2 His where His name is Pliskin. That's a totally says, different character. He says, my name's Iroquois Pliskin. And yeah. then you get on the on the codec, and they're like, Iroquois means snake in a native language. And you're like, I wonder who this is and who he's based <laughs> off of and who he's inspired by. What a tell. mystery. Well, what's, your, what's your game that year? Uh, You know what? You said them both. I'm gonna pick, I'm, <laughs> I told you. I'm going to pick MGS5 over Bloodborne, but I will say that Bloodborne is the more... Uh, Bloodborne is the more tightly constructed and arguably more complete game, and from a sheer like mechanical standpoint, Bloodborne is game design perfection. However, Bloodborne, while it is a great game, did not leave the absolutely profound effect on me that MGS5 did. It's... We, we only have a minute, so I, I can't go into detail like I wish I could. But when I played Metal Gear Solid Five in 2015, it came right off the tail of playing the rest of the Metal Gear games all in a row on the PS3 and playing Five. And that little, like, several-month chunk of my life with video games was... Like, I can't overstate 
how mind-blowing and profound all of that was for me and how much love I have for the Metal Gear games because of the experiences that I've continued to be able to get from them. I don't think I felt that way about a game until I played Death Stranding again. So that's that's why I um, probably annoy everyone around me by talking about <laughs> Kojima far too often well, we're not whenever annoyed. I get the chance. But uh, yeah, that's it. That's mine. I know we're not annoyed for a fact, but... <laughs> There's a listener out there that doesn't want to hear me talk about Kojima. Um... There are other podcasts. Hedge your bet that I'll do it anyways. (laughs) (laughs) And that is the Emerald Games Cast, episode 44. My name is Nolan. With me has been... Punished Snake. Punished Snake. (laughs) And also... (laughs) Uh, Uh. Normal Snake. Fine Snake. I'm doing okay, Snake. When I... It's because I've had a little bit of champagne, listener. Okay. But what happened was I was thinking, I was thinking about Big Boss, and I'm starting to cry. Oh no! <laughs> He's just so cool. Oh, just think of that part in, in in Peace Walker that won't make you cry when they all gather around and go, "Thick Boss, Thick Boss, Thick." She's crying, listener. You can't see it. She's crying. Will you? Will you? What? What? What's it gonna be, Janelle? Your your country or your podcast? Loyalty to your mission or loyalty to me? Yeah. My duty is to my mission, which I think is the podcast. Oh, <laughs> all right. This is the podcast. That has been the mission. Email us your codec call transcripts. Like, not ones that you wrote yourself, just transcripts of the codec calls at emeraldgamescast at gmail.com or tweet us your favorite Huey Emmerich quotes, or Hal Emmerich quotes, whichever you prefer, at ODE Gamescast at twitter.com. And I'll see you next week in episode 45. My favorite quote is the the episode numbered after the president that will not be the president anymore, maybe. Yeah! Actually, (laughs) even if he is still the president, he'll be president 46, so I still get to say that. Wait, wait, that's not how that works. Not how that works. It's, I'm gonna say it is. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. See you next week.